Every year, starting the first Sunday in December, I try to do the Christmas story for us. And all through this month, up through Christmas, we talk about the events of what happened that first Christmas. There's a lot of arguments over different things about the way we do Christmas. I've had people that uh, were emphatic that there were three kings because when they were kids, they sang, we three kings of Orient Art. We don't know how many kings there were. Don't get lost in that. There are a lot of things about Christmas when it was to be celebrated. I can tell you that the shepherds were not in the fields on December 25th. That's, that's when we started celebrating Christmas. But there are some, some things that are essential in the birth, the life, and the death of the Lord Jesus. And some of the things are essential to our beliefs. Now, Pastor Ben prayed this morning that we not talk about leaders and folks. And I, was, I got my note over there. I'm thinking lambast him. But I'll not Pastor Ben either. But I'll just tell you this. There's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. Pastors six campuses, over 36,000 people. That teaches that really it's not important that Jesus was born of a virgin. What is important is that He resurrected. Well, if He wasn't a virgin, He didn't resurrect. Or He wasn't born of a virgin, He didn't resurrect. So there's a lot of stuff that, that maybe we cannot validate about Christmas, but there are some, some fundamental beliefs that we as Christians have to embrace. And just to be perfectly honest with you, the pastor in Atlanta is not the only one that's saying that Jesus was not born of a virgin. We have people that are saying that Mary was a prostitute. We have people saying that she was pregnant by Joseph before she was conceived by the Holy Ghost. So the, the birth wasn't born uh, di with divinity in him. He wasn't divine. But I got to thinking about this thought about Christmas in prophecy. You know, we can go back... Um, 6,000 years before Jesus was born and we find God saying because of Adam's sin that the seed of woman would bruise the heel of Satan. Uh, or that Satan would bruise his heel. But, but you know when you start thinking about Bible prophecy and Christmas in prophecy a lot of people overlook some important facts. And so today I want to talk to you about three very important reasons why we as Christians believe in a virgin birth. And we believe that Jesus was divine. There's some probably legitimate argument about Isaiah 7.14 where Isaiah prophesied 700 plus years before Jesus and he said that a virgin would bear a child by the Holy Ghost. You'd call his name Emmanuel. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of argument on that thing about him being born of a virgin. Because in the Hebrew, the word was a maiden, a young maiden. And uh, so, so a lot of argument. When it was transposed by the Jews, they called her a virgin. And so therefore, King James picked it up. 
A lot of other translations picked it up as a virgin. But the thing that really makes me wonder about some people's arguments, even in arguing that she wasn't a virgin, the Bible says that they would call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. She had to have conceived by the Holy Ghost for his name to be Emmanuel. So it's just a lot of stuff. We're going to cover some stuff with you this morning, if you'll give me just a little bit of time. And we're going to go to Luke chapter, uh, chapter number 2, I believe it is, maybe 1, chapter 1. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and of the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him... She was troubled in, in his saying and cast in her mind what manner of, of, of uh, salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the Lord Jesus. And thank you, God, today that he was born of a virgin, conceived of by the Holy Ghost, and lived a sinless life. And we thank you for that today. Thank you for your blessing on this time we're together. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There are uh, a lot of things that have been challenged in the 44 and a half years that I've known Jesus. I've never had anything challenge me more than to hear a Pentecostal preacher at that time that I very highly respected, saying, and this has, been, this has been probably 40 years ago, said that Jesus was not born of a virgin. My very first thought when he said that, I thought, how in the world do you, do you come to that fact of saying that Jesus was not born of a virgin? If Christ is not a virgin birth, and Christ is not the Savior of the world. That's how essential it is to us. Our children, our grandchildren are going to be challenged in this belief. You can go back in anxious history as far back as, as we can take you. And you'll find Jewish leaders saying it's a hoax. There's even been some talk in, in, in many years past of the fact that a bunch of fishermen that were uneducated are the ones that are telling the story. But God looked at that and thought, well, you know what, I'll throw them a curveball on that. And God sent a man named Luke, who was very highly educated, who was a medical doctor, that certainly knew what conception was and what the birth of a child was. 
I just read to you what he said, the angel said to Mary. Now, a lot of, uh, a lot of scholars believe that Luke got his message from Mary. That Mary is the one that told him the original story because Luke wasn't in the picture when Jesus was born. He was already probably born, but he wasn't a disciple at that time. And so he depended on what Mary told him about this birth of this child. But, but something that really truly is, is concerning to me, that people are saying, and you'll hear it more and more as the time goes till the Lord comes, that, that, there is a, uh, uh, that the birth of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus is a non-essential um, legend to Christianity. There is something that's so vital to, to the church. Um, his birth, his death, and his resurrection. Now, some of the same preachers that challenged the birth of Jesus have also said that Paul made a mistake about the rapture of the church. Now, again, Paul was probably the most learned man of his day concerning the Jewish law and concerning what God had shown him in Revelation. You start attacking the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, before long you have no Jesus. And that's where the world's coming to. Listen, you know the, the whole thing is about Jesus. If, if the Jews would have, would have gone to our legislatures or to our school boards and said, uh, we want this taught in the school. If, if some of our cults would have gone and said, we want this taught in the school, you would have had that taught in the school. But because Christianity, our kids took Jesus to school with them and parents would go to school and, and demand that their children be allowed the things of Christ, we all of a sudden said, we better take in Jesus' name out of all of our prayers. We better make it a generic prayer. See, the issue has always been Jesus. From the, very, from the very first man and woman in this world, Adam and Eve, the battle was about Jesus. It was about that seed of woman that was going to be born. I just, I, I want to take just a, just a small amount of your time this morning, and I'm not going to delay you long this morning. I don't have a lot, lot in my notes, a lot to even think about to say to you. But, but in anticipating what man would say 200 years after the birth of Jesus. Why is this virgin birth so essential to our faith as Christians? And I told you there are, there are really three reasons that I can think of that, that the virgin birth is so essential. The first thing that I thought about this week is how it relates to the integrity of the Bible as God's Word. If I can challenge His birth, which is recorded in the Old and the New Testament... If I can challenge the virgin birth of Jesus, I can challenge the validity of God's Word. And after all, isn't that really what the challenge is about? Is about God Himself? In that garden, do you remember what the challenge was about? It was about God. It was about, did God really say? Is His Word really true? And the challenge is still there today that we're challenging the Word of God when we say that the, the virgin birth of Jesus is not important. You know, if, if this is not true, then what can we believe of the Bible? 
If what, if what the Bible says about the birth of Jesus is fiction, then how can we believe what it says about his death and his resurrection? See, if, if you come to me and you prove to me that Jesus was not born of a virgin, which, by the way, you can't prove it. But if you could prove it to me, you could challenge any of my beliefs in the Word of God. Listen to me a minute. There are people that are walking the streets of our city, knocking on our doors, and they ride bicycles that will try to tell you that Jesus that they have is the same Jesus you have, and He's not the same Jesus. He's not the same Jesus. You've got to be careful when people start throwing these terms out like Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is Savior to those that, that have confessed with their mouth that He's Lord of their life and Savior of the life and have believed in their heart that God raised Him from the dead. Everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is not going to inherit the kingdom of God, the Bible says. There's also something else that, that I think that we probably need to talk about and, and is how the virgin birth relates to the integrity of Jesus as Messiah. Listen, I, I don't think that anybody in this room can, can really, even going in the fellowship hall, which we're going to eat in a little bit in visitors we didn't mention to you, but won't you stay and eat with us today? But if you go in that fellowship hall and you look at Jesus up there, that mural that's painted on the wall, and you look at Jesus, everywhere you go, his eyes are going to follow you. There's two tears in, in the eyes, or there's tears in each eye down on his cheek. And, and when I go over there sometimes, I go in there and just look at him. And, and I, I really love that, that painting up on that wall. But, but we don't know that's what Jesus looks like. It's amazing to me that every artist that ever drew Jesus made him look alike, the same. And I, I don't know what Jesus looks like. I don't know what he looked like as a baby in a manger. But I'll tell you this. If you have seen Jesus, he said, you've seen the Father. You see in the character and the nature of Jesus himself. In the moral life that Jesus lived, we can see God in him. And, and when I start hearing people that want to say to me about this virgin birth, that it's not essential, then I start saying, well then, you know, Maybe this thing of Jesus being Messiah is where the problem is. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, there are three conditions that have to be met. He first of all had to be a human. He had to be born of a virgin woman. The second thing He had to be was He had to be divine. He had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. But there's a third thing that oftentimes we, we may not really pick up on is not only could Jesus not be a sinner, not only could He not... Uh, be like the rest of us. But also there is a fact that we, we oftentimes might miss that Jesus in His divine nature was, was something that had to be very, very, very important to us because a mere mortal could not bear the infinite price that had to be paid for our sins. A sinless sacrifice had to be made for our sins. And, and that's the third thing that Jesus is essential in, is, is a sinner couldn't die for the sins of others. You know, I, I'm a, probably, a, a, well, I'm not a probably, I am old school. And when I start thinking about the virgin birth, uh, it guarantees the fulfillment of all three of the conditions that we talk about. Jesus was a human. He's born of a, of a virgin named Mary. Jesus is divine. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of that woman, that virgin. He also, we know that he was sinless. He was without a sin nature. He didn't have the nature that you have. You have an Adamic nature. If Jesus had been born of just a woman, 
And here's something that I, that, that I saw that I don't really know that I've studied out enough to understand it. I probably have to get Pastor Brian this week, sit down with him and try to explain it all to me. But the seed of a man is always from his father. Now, I understand that part. The seed is always from the father, never from the mother. So the seed of Jesus Christ would have had been from his father. And if his father was God, if he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, then his seed would have to be sinless because God was sinless. Now, we, we don't talk about this a lot. We don't talk about Jesus. We know that Jesus was as much man as he was God. We understand that. But we don't talk about the seed that he came from often. We, we leave the avenue for the world to look at it. For, for those that want to challenge this virgin birth, we leave the issue of where the seed comes from. If the seed came from Joseph, then Jesus is a sinner just like we are because he has that Adamic nature. But if Jesus, in fact, was conceived by the Holy Ghost, that's the reason he could live a sinless life because his nature was a God's nature, not the Adamic nature that we inherited through the natural birth of the seed of man. The sin came through Adam. Remember that. Then I want to talk about another thing with you that I believe is vital and essential to the birth and the, and the, the, the uh, birth of a, of a virgin born. Um, the concept of a virgin birth was not some afterthought. Do, do you know, if you, if you study Paul's writings out, Paul tells us, that God had a plan for Jesus to come before the foundation of the world. So before God ever created anything, before God ever spoke life into a man, before He ever, uh, before that, even spoke light into the world, before He formed this world that was in darkness, and He, he created, He created out of, his, out of His mouth all the things that you see. He spoke those things. But before God ever breathed breath into Adam, He knew that Adam was going to sin and going to need a sinless Savior to save him. And so He sent Jesus Christ. And the plan was before the foundation of the world that He would come. So my question to you this morning is if, if it is so vital to the church for Jesus to be born of a virgin. And, and the concept of that virgin birth is not an afterthought because it's clearly prophesied hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus is born. I said to you the first messianic prophecy we have is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. After man had sinned in the garden, God spoke to Adam. And, and Adam would be ultimately kicked out of that garden. And, and so when he says that, that Jesus is going to be born or the Messiah is going to be born of the seed of woman, he's talking about Jesus. I also noticed Isaiah in his writings. And I want to read to you 714. I mentioned it to you earlier. But the Bible said, Therefore the, uh, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, when you, when you read that, we often we often don't get the real picture of what Isaiah is saying. I believe Isaiah's intent, no matter what, no matter what some theologians say, the intent was to use the term virgin there. If you study it, I've studied it this morning some. If you study it where his cross reference and it came back, it really does still mean virgin. 
It's like saying to me, it's like saying that uh, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And the argument is that it just says dwelling places there. Well, I believe it is dwelling place, but I believe it's a mansion. I believe that she could have been a, a, a maiden, but she's a virgin maiden. It's important for us to grasp that. But I just, it, for the life of me, if you say that he's not born of a virgin, why are we calling him Emmanuel, God with us? Why are we claiming that he's from the seed of God if he's not in fact conceived by the Holy Ghost. How does, that, how, does that, how does that wrap up in all the mess you got going on in your brain? But something else that I noticed, and, and, and this is in Jeremiah. He reinforces that prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 31, 22. You got to watch this. He said, How long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. Now, when I read that, I said, I'm going to have to go study this out because I'll get lost in this thing. He's talking about Israel is going to embrace the Messiah. They are going to embrace Him. Now, they haven't yet as a nation, but they are. It's called tribulation time. And He said that, that you're going to find that there's a woman that's being compassed. And that compassion is, is coming through the Lord, through God. But if you go back and you look over into the book of Revelation... You're going, to find, you're going to find Jesus is talked about in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. And He's talked about that woman that, that's going to compass Him and give birth to Him is going to come against that, that devil and that antichrist and that false prophet. Listen, there's a lot of things in the Bible that we as the church, perhaps we've not, we've not ignored it, Maybe we just not really understood what God was saying through the Word of God. You know, Pastor Brian is a, he's a word guy. I thought I was a word guy. He came here. He's a, he's a double word guy. He, he, he spends hours just looking at, at words. He's, he's, he's going to put a thing, he said to me, he's going to put it on it and done it yet. On my computer where I, I don't have to go dig all this stuff out. I just look in that that program he's got, and, and it gives you all the, the breakdowns of all the words in the Bible. It's there, and, and he, he spends hours just looking. Just, you know, stupid stuff. Just looking. <laughs> it's not, not stupid stuff. It's important stuff. But it's, it takes too much of my time. I ain't, I, I'm off here and gone there and over there and back over here. You know, I'm up throwing the Bible down, picking up a concordance, going to the computer, looking at something, coming back, picking my Bible up. He's sitting there just glued to that thing. But if you'll stay around a, a long enough, you'll find out through our Bible studies that you're being taught some things that perhaps we didn't learn, not because we were ignorant, Pap, it wasn't covered. It wasn't talked about. And so we're just trying to take the face value of what God's Word has said and teach you that. Well, when I, when I get down and I start looking at this woman that's going to compass a man, you know, and an angel of God confirmed to both Mary and to Joseph, you'll find it in Luke and Matthew's writings, that Jesus is going to be born. And, and to, to Joseph... That angel said, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with a child by the Holy Ghost. When Jensen was born, he was born a little early. 
and he had some complications in birth, and they had to do a C-section on Mama. And when we took pictures of Jensen, and uh, I wrote the doctor a card, and in brokenness, I'm 42 years old. Well, I'm not 42 then. I'm 48 years old when he's born. I'm 48 years old, and and to see that baby and to realize that he is he's my seed. But he took on the he took on the features of his mama. Thank you, Lord. When he <laughs> when he stands, he'll hold his mouth just like his mom. He will. He's bow-legged just like his mom. You know, a hog could run through their legs. They're so bow-legged. But, but you know, when, when you look at me, when you look at me, I'm from my seed that's the same seed he's from. Because oftentimes when I look in the mirror, I see him. I see my brother Clayton. He's 84 years old. I see him sometime when I look in the mirror. And we're seeing our mother in us. That's who we look like, not like our dad. Jesus took none of the characteristics of his mother. He only took the characteristics of his father. His brothers did not even believe in who he was until after his death. I mean, his mom pondered things in her heart. There were things she didn't understand about. And, and if, 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 this could, if this could flow through this room to every one of you ladies... Her thought was, how can I, who have never known a man, be pregnant with a child? It, you know, anybody in this room that understands conception, and we got some smaller guys in here, it takes, it takes two people to conceive. At least it takes the seed of one person to conceive in another person's womb. And you might put it in a in a vacuum, in a, in a lab somewhere, you might, you might do something there. I don't know. I, I, I've not seen the sheep lately that, that they tried to clone. But, but I'll just tell you this. I've looked at some human beings and I knew that God didn't create them. <laughs> at least I thought He didn't because they were sure ugly. But think about, think about the seed. Think about the seed. Do you, do you know the transformation that takes place in our life is from that same seed? It's from the seed of God the Father. Because we are becoming like Christ in our lives. I have an Adamic nature. You have an Adamic nature. But God is working on that Adamic nature to make us Christ-like. That's what we're doing. We're following a pattern of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to live our lives out the way Jesus lived His life out. And, and I want to tell you something, friend. I tried to do this myself. I tried it for 23 years by myself and it didn't work. Jesus came in my life. I tried it another 10 years with Him in my life. I tried to do it and I couldn't do it. Because it takes Jesus living His life through us. That seed of that woman. That virgin birthed child of God coming and living inside of us. That's what it takes. You know, you, you, can, you can do all the, 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 the funny things. I can tell you jokes. I can make you laugh for days. That won't change your life. I can tell you stories about my childhood or 
tell you about a, a thousand different things. It won't help you at all. It's entertainment. But when you get down to the nitty gritty of who we are and what we are to become, God put you here with purpose. And that purpose was to embrace the life of the seed of God that was born to a virgin conceived by the Holy Ghost. God's whole purpose in creating you was for His glory. How is God going to be glorified out of somebody, some creation that He created, if it's not living in His image and His likeness? He can't be. And so the message of Christmas, Christmas in prophecy is, is so vital to the church. And for us to understand, and we go through these things over the weeks to come and get a better understanding of, of what happened at this birth. Why is it so important for us to embrace the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it important that He was conceived by the Holy Ghost? You see, God had to take all the, all the elements of, of that Adamic nature out of the picture. And so He chose a highly favored virgin girl to bear the seed that would become the Savior of the world. There's a lot about Jesus in his early life, after his birth, through his childhood, up and you know, for about 20 years, we don't know anything about the life of Jesus. But the, the conception that I have of him is he was preparing for what was to come. He was living a life before the Father that was sinless because He is the sinless, spotless Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's who Jesus is. It's Christmas time. Some of us will celebrate our first Christmas without a loved one. So Christmas morning won't be everything that it's been. Some of us won't have family with us and so it won't be Christmas like it always has been. Some of us will have to work on Christmas and it won't be the same. We won't be celebrating around a tree on Christmas Day. We might be celebrating some other time. There may be people in our life that will cause havoc in our life before Christmas comes. We may have a thousand things that could happen to us before Christmas comes. Some of us might even not be here this Christmas. We might spend it in eternity with God. And if, if we are, hallelujah, glory to God, I can't think of a better thing that I could leave this world at Christmas time. The only thing to make it any, any better would be maybe at resurrection time, at Easter time. But, but don't get caught up in all this junk of Christmas. We've made Christmas what it's not. Christmas is about Jesus, the Savior of the world. I want you to bow your heads with me. Sometimes you feel like you know exactly what to say to people. And sometimes you feel like, I hope I got it right. From Sunday to Sunday, you have no idea who's going to be in church. Because we have a transitional church that we see people and, and maybe we don't see them for weeks. Maybe they're working, maybe they're sick, maybe they're in the hospital, maybe they're in a nursing home. Maybe they're just not coming to church for a while. But we see one another on occasion. We have folk here from Louisiana this morning we see on occasion. 
God knew every one of you were going to be here this morning. He spoke to my heart earlier in the week about the three essentials of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. That he had to be born of a virgin, had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, and had to live a sinless life. Those three essentials God birthed in my heart to share with you. And in doing that, he knew exactly who's going to be here. He knew if you were going to be here as a saved person or as an unsaved person. I don't know all those things. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. This could be your first Christmas with Jesus as your Savior. That would be a glorious thing for me to embrace with you. I would love it today if you would just say, I'll surrender my life to Jesus. While heads are bowed and no one's looking around, and I will be looking at you because I want to know how to pray for you. But you'd say, Pastor, I really am not a Christian. But I would like to become a Christian. I want to see your hand. By your lack of hands, I'm assuming that everyone in this room is saved today on your way to heaven. Your faith, if Jesus tarries His coming, is going to be challenged. I've been challenged over the last five years over things I never thought I would ever be challenged about in the Bible. The greatest challenge you're going to face is in believing what the Word of God says. Is it really true? In that garden... When that serpent came in that garden, he said to Adam, did God really say? Did he really mean what, what he said? Is he really truthful? If the world can challenge you and your beliefs about this story of Christmas. See, we've had people come back and challenge us on three wise men. We've had people come back and challenge us on Christmas being on the 25th of December. And a lot of times we crumble to their, to their challenge because we didn't have an answer. There's one thing you need to have an assurity of today, and that is that Jesus was born of a virgin, was conceived by the Holy Ghost, and He lived a sinless life. If He were not born of a virgin, He can't be the Messiah. If He was not conceived by the Holy Ghost, he is not the Savior of the world. And my friend, if he didn't live a sinless life, he's just another figure, somebody's imagination. But he was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. And he did live a sinless life. So today, you, you don't have anywhere to challenge me on my beliefs. You may challenge me about a lot of things, but not my beliefs because those things are embedded deep in my heart. I will go to my grave believing what I've taught you this morning. Whether, whether or not you accept it, that's between you and the Lord. But I believe what I've taught you this morning is truth. Don't you let somebody knock on your door. Don't you let somebody at work challenge what you believe about the virgin birth, conception by the Holy Ghost, 
and living a sinless life. Don't you ever let them challenge you on that. Father, I pray today, this Christmas season, our body in this church would embrace the fact that you are everything you said you are in this Bible. I pray, God, for us today. I pray that our salvation is really real. And I pray, God, that we're living out this life of Christ in our life. If we're not, God, would you help us today? Would you encourage our walk today? Some of us will be lonely this Christmas. Will you fill that void in our life? Loved ones won't be with us. Would you touch us and strengthen us, God? Every day that we live is a day closer to living in your presence. So I ask you to bless our goings and our comings today. I ask you to meet every need of every life in this room, every person that would listen to this broadcast, or every person that would go to the web and find us on the internet. I pray your blessings. I pray you touch us and strengthen us today, as you do every day. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name.